You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Lakers basketball is back, and Anthony Irwin is not. I am your host for today, Harrison Fagan. Anthony is not with us. He is a DNP Harrison's decision. He will not be on the podcast today, but I was fortunate enough to be joined by Pete Zayas of Laker Film Room for an entertaining discussion coming up. We talked about, we, re- we recorded live right after the Lakers' first preseason game, and we talked, ba- we basically talked about the, like, just kind of our takeaways from the team. Pete's takeaways from the team, some general, more broad discussions on way things that we want to see from the Lakers kind of flowing out of that game. So it's not really specific. It's a little bit about the game. It's kind of not about the game. The Lakers lost 108-99 in case you're a locked-on Lakers listener who listens to this podcast and did not find out about that result on Saturday. Lakers lost their first preseason game. We had a bunch of takeaways on it. Before we get to that conversation, as always, you can find our full shows on Audio Boom, iTunes, Tune in, Stitcher, and today's fast break, and I think Spotify and Alexa now. Basically, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find our podcast. And if there's a medium that you'd like our podcast to be on that it's not on, feel free to tweet at Anthony or I, and we will do our best to try and get it on that medium. But I think that we have those pretty well wrapped up. Anyway, he, uh, let's just get right into my conversation with Pete. It was a really great time watching the game with him, and it featured a kind of entertaining cameo from Darius Soriano, Form Blue and Gold. He, uh, it, you know, he was kind of trying to distract us the whole time as we were recording, more so than contributing. But I was proud. We only broke character once. It was a really fun conversation. And, uh, you know, Lakers basketball is back. I think that's the theme of this. And it's exciting to have actual basketball to discuss again. So we will, Anthony will most likely be back with me for Tuesday's show. We will discuss tonight's game by the time that you are listening to this. The Lakers will be playing against the Denver Nuggets at 7.30 Pacific time. And we will talk talk to you after that. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, and we welcome on Pete Zayas, a.k.a. Laker Film Room, a.k.a. Coach Dad, a.k.a. the newest member of Form Blue and Gold, and how's it going, Pete? I'm doing well, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, A lot better now, actually, now that we have actual basketball to talk about once again, because it's, it's been a little while. Yeah, no, it's exciting. I mean, you know, there was... It was predictable sloppiness and ugliness in the first game, but good to see them back on the court and see Lonzo in his first game. And, and yeah, we've been uh, excited about this for months. It's good to have this day upon us. Yeah, and it's funny because we always, like, once the preseason is over, we're going to make fun of ourselves retroactively for this and for any takeaways that we have from preseason. And for if it doesn't go well, we're going to say, oh, well, it was just preseason. They'll probably be fine in the regular season. And if it does go well, then we're going to say, you know, the Lakers are going to win the championship. And so we always kind of, it's funny because we do this every year. It's like Groundhog Day. We get way too amped up for what is essentially meaningless basketball. But I think there are always kind of take away, there are some things that you can take away from this meaningless basketball as long as you kind of look at the right things. 
And so with one game kind of in the books, I mean, the Lakers were not running their full playbook tonight. I think Luke Walton mentioned earlier this week that they probably hadn't installed any, I think he said 0% of their half-court playbook, right? You were there, so, yeah. Yeah, you know, I actually put a little more stock in the preseason with a young Lakers team and with how bad they've been recently because any, I, I take any sign of cohesion as, as progress and the Lakers aren't really playing for a win total this year. Um, you know, we all have our hopes and whatnot, but um, they're looking for progress. And when you talk to Magic and Palenka, that's, you know, they're not going to give you, uh, you know, playoff hopes or things like that. But they want to see a young group get better because they're going to be very important in, um, you know, free agency plans that they might have. And just the progress of the roster is really determined by those guys. And as a result of that, um, <clears throat> Any bit that you can get, even if it's just in these six otherwise meaningless games, are important. You know, anything that Lonzo can learn right now is important. Anything we can see out of Kuzma or Brandon Ingram, those things matter in the grand scheme of things, even if they're just a small step in a larger journey. No, it's good. I mean, it's good for them to get to take an opportunity to kind of get their feet wet in the kiddie pool, so to speak, where the results like the results for the Lakers season really don't matter on aggregate, like you said, but they especially don't matter in the preseason. And so the fact that they lost tonight, I mean, there were still positives to take away from it. It was good just that Lonzo Ball got to go out there and go up against other actual NBA players instead of summer league NBA players, which are two very different things, even in the preseason. And I I don't know, I guess, what did you think of how? he played tonight I thought like obviously a shot wasn't there but I thought overall he like I pretty much liked what I saw from him it was about what I expected yeah I mean remember his first summer league game even he was pretty terrible against the Clippers in that first summer league game from a shooting perspective uh had some turnovers in that game uh you know today was again about what I expected um he uh I didn't think he defended particularly well, and I think that's going to be an area where they need him to perform a little better than he did. But he, um, you could really see the pace and sense of urgency from the team in in this game. Uh, they, I think they're getting a feel for what that means. Lonzo played 36 minutes in this game, which is a lot for a preseason game. Well, it's a lot when he looked winded in the first quarter. I, I don't think that's a coincidence, too. I think that Luke is... Uh, I, when Luke made some comments tonight about wanting guys to get in better shape, ironically, as, as good of a transition player as Lonzo is, he's probably the guy that needs the most work conditioning-wise because he's always throwing those outlets and hit-aheads. But in terms of keeping up, I think that you'll probably see Lonzo playing big minutes because if we're going to play this way... They need him to be able to do that for 32 to 36 minutes, and he can't do it with his current conditioning level. Yeah, I mean, I was joking earlier tonight while we were watching the game, but also kind of not joking that I'm not 100% sure that he does conditioning work when he's not playing basketball because... Like he, we've seen it now in two debut games where he just looks really winded, and he. I, but I guess that's uh, that's probably just as much a testament to NBA basketball is very different than any workout you can do in the off season, even if you only focus a hundred percent on defense during your first couple training camp practices. I mean, I think it's no secret that the first preseason game is sloppy, and part of that is the there's no way to simulate the intensity 
uh, and circumstances of an NBA game, even a preseason game. You try to go for that as a coach and practice and simulate game situations, but guys get tired, you know, and and he certainly wasn't the only one. And even if you look around the league, it's it's sloppy for a reason. It's guys getting their feet under them. I'd like to see him be um, a little more active uh, off of the ball, um, whether it's offensively or defensively. And I think that's something that we saw in the summer league as well. So, you know, it's it's the first couple steps in a long journey uh, for him especially. But it's good to see him out here and, and, and playing at a pace that he injected into the rest of the team that I think is indicative of what we'll see the rest of the season. Yeah, and again, like, it's still, like, even just sitting here talking with you about it now, it's cool to just have actual basketball to talk about. And we aren't talking about narratives. We aren't talking about his college game. We aren't talking about, like, this is, this was, there was basketball played tonight. Or I guess by the time people are listening to this Saturday night, there was basketball played. And it's just good to have that stuff back to discuss instead of just basically taking our best guesses and uneducated stabs at things. And I thought the a guy who that is less of a positive for is Brandon Ingram after tonight, and uh, I, I I'm somewhat bringing him up just to kind of uh, tweak you a little bit because you were uh, you you were not you did not enjoy the efforts of Brandon Ingram that much tonight against uh, against the Timberwolves. You're trying to get me in trouble, Harrison. I yeah, thought, I, am. I thought when we watch games together, uh, yeah, did, <laughs> we got Darius in the background even being like, "Don't do it, Pete. Don't do it." <laughs> Hey man, you know, watching games, I might, you know, say some you, things. You know, I'm a reporter. You didn't, you didn't say that that was off the record. So that's that, true. that one's on that's you. That's true. Uh, I think the expectations have been, I, I think, have been a little bit absurd yeah. about about him, and that's not his fault. Um, I think, though, that if the Lakers are expecting him to be the primary perimeter scorer, which if you put KCP and Lonzo next to him. Kind of makes him that by default. Yeah, no, it's like there's no other unless you're planning on giving Brook Lopez isolations out at the perimeter. Like, and I think that puts Ingram in a bit of a spot that he's not necessarily ready for. He's still back rimming. A lot of his shots are flat. I did see progress in in some of his shooting form. He finished a little bit higher. Um, they ran a little play uh, where they got him off of a cross screen and he hit like an eight footer. Uh, over his man, uh, his ISO against Taj Gibson, where he finished with his left hand, was beautiful. That was he, really nice. And he's been really good at using his length to slow down and speed up and change directions on his drive, so that like he kind of slows down a little bit and lets his guy go by, and it frees up the angle for him to get his shot up. Uh, that was that Gibson basket against Gibson was an example of that. Um, but that being said, you know, like he's got a lot of work to do. Shots don't change over the summer; they change over a long period of time and what happens there's a term that uh, coaches use called game slippage right where you will work on very precise things in practices or in individual workouts over the summer but you go into it with the idea of once you get a little bit tired once you uh, go up against uh, other NBA caliber defenders in a five-on-five situation in that type of intensity you will start slipping back into old habits. And you saw he back-rimmed a lot of his shots. A lot of his shots were flat, which was a complaint that I had last year. But it wasn't that the entire game. He kind of came out... Is the one three he made? I thought well, that was still flat, but it went in. Yeah. You know, um, but a couple of his other shots had nice arc on it. So it's going to be a process of reducing game slippage over the course of a season. But if they're expecting him to come out of the gates averaging eighteen to twenty per game, like it's unfair to the kid. Yeah, I I, I think I'd agree with that, and it's like. You, you can even see it in some of this stuff. Like, even the finish that he had that we were talking about against Gibson, like, he... 
a lot of the stuff, the way that he finishes, so unorthodox looking, and it just looks so imbalanced. And maybe his game's just always going to look like that. But I, I think that he does still have a ways to go in terms of like footwork and fundamentals, and just like getting used to doing all of those things, like kind in doing it almost one way every time, rather than just like trying to figure out, okay, what's going to work this one specific time and throwing up a shot. That's a great. That's a great way of, of framing it. And uh, to add to that. In a game, you have to do those same things that you were doing, but faster. Yeah. So all of the mechanics that you've been working on over the course of the summer, where it's you and just your trainer, you can be really deliberate about that. But in a game situation, it's a split second where you have to put it all together. And it becomes more muscle memory than it is. In, you know, you can't sit there and go, okay, I need all 10 of my toes pointing yeah. toward the hoop. I need to do this with my footwork. and all. There's just not the time for that. So you need to be able to, uh, and that's where the repetition comes in. And that's why you can't just fix it over a summer. Yeah, and like being able to, uh, so I, I say that not to say that there isn't value in being able to adjust. Like, of course, you're going to have to adjust your shot in different situations. Like when, when you're finishing at the rim against different guys of different heights and different angles and things like that. But you have to get used to like those situations and having kind of an answer for those that you practice over and over and over again. It can't be that you're just coming up with that answer on the spot, almost like you're cramming for it. It's like studying for a test versus cramming for a test at the last second. Totally. And right now, he's kind of cramming for these tests and eventually maybe from enough cramming he will build up kind of a muscle memory like you talked about of these situations and be like oh okay when I'm finishing like with my left hand at the rim over here I have to balance myself and contort myself this way but you know when I, I he's not just coming up with it on the spot anymore and he's done it a bunch of times and it's going to be a bit of a trial by fire for him, again, with without any other perimeter guys to sort of alleviate those responsibilities. He's going to be that going through that trial by fire where he's seeing, and that's the good part of it, if you're talking in a bigger picture sense, is that he's going to have so many repetitions of different scenarios where he has to be the kind of go-to guy on the perimeter, and it's probably going to be ugly at first. If he is what everybody thinks he's going to be, or a lot of people think that he's going to be, those are going to be a good thing for him in the long run. We saw that last year. He got a ton of minutes, uh, probably before he was ready or deserved them in a short-term sense. But we saw him apply being able to be a, a better one-foot jumper, being able to change directions better, more effectively on his drives. He started getting to the line more. And I think that that, that same idea will apply this season, where he's has this responsibility he's not quite ready for, but you could argue that in the long term, having those repetitions in ways that he wouldn't if he had another perimeter scorer will be more helpful for him in 2019, 2020, and beyond. You, I, I do want to roll back for a second because you keep saying you could argue. You could argue. some This is what people think he's going to be. I'm getting the sense that this is not what you necessarily think Brandon Ingram is going to be and I'm I'm kind of I'm hitting you with a little bit of a gotcha question right now going back on these and I apologize for that no like, don't apologize no, I mean, this, this makes you a good reporter we, man we, you're good at what you do yeah we like we we got to talk about this stuff like I think that there should be there is a chance that Brandon Ingram never turns into this guy and I don't really know what the Lakers path moving forward is if that is the case like if he doesn't turn into the guy that the Lakers want him to be. I'm not really sure what their... I mean, I guess their backup plan is free agency next summer. But if that doesn't work out, I mean, I don't know. Like, what what type of player, now that we've watched him for a year, like, like what type of player are you kind of seeing Brandon Ingram as going forward? Oh, uh, Harrison. Um, so, 
if you, if you listen to me, no, you. no, this is good. I, I expected, and we're, we're homies, man. This is is good to have this caught on uh, on on air. All right, so this will be a bit of a long answer. So yeah. please allow me to. Um, that's why we bring you on. If, <laughs> I thought that's why you brought Darius on. Maybe it's more um, <laughs> that's next week. Yeah, there you go. Um, so Ingram, if you if you listen to any of my my podcast or anything, you know that I'm a little more tepid in my uh, feelings about Ingram than a lot of other people are. Um, Ingram is very talented. There are very few, I said this on the pod last week, very few human beings who have ever lived who have a 7-4 wingspan who are as fluid as he is, who are as coordinated as he is with the ball in his hands. And that gives him tremendous clay to work with. I think we're automatically presuming that the clay gets translated into a beautiful sculpture. And right now, it's sitting mostly as clay. He's made progress. Ingram statue has not been built yet. Fun it has fact. not. Most likely, I guess. I right. Guess we'd have to look. If, the, if the Lakers have already built that, they might be a little... Let's see how well... He, if he plays well in the second game, he might start getting built right now. Outside we, Honda Center. We, we actually, put it there for now, <laughs> and then bring it to... We could bring it to Staples Center if and when he plays. He'll have one out in Ontario, I think. Is, yes. Uh, so, so, and that's been my perspective on Ingram. I get people that think I'm an Ingram hater, and I understand why people say that. So why um, do you hate Ingram? So why do I hate Ingram? <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he just has a lot of work to do before that potential is realized. And I, I, I think everybody's trying to speak something into existence with him that is not necessarily at that point. And that should be okay. Um but when you got the big boss talking about 20 per game or you know him he's got to be our leading scorer i mean if he takes he took 15 shots in 22 minutes if he's getting that many shots up at that rate he may very well be our leading scorer but he had he shot like a 31 and a half true shooting percentage tonight yeah yeah and, i mean he went like, 4 of 15 so that's not ideal obviously right and uh he had one assist on a lot of touches he had a lot of drives i'm going to go watch the tape in a bit but I suspect there will be several drives where you know you had somebody to kick it out to, and it wasn't the shot necessarily where, uh, or, or, or possession, not necessarily drive, but it wasn't necessarily his shot on that. Um, yeah. So there's just there's there's something to work with there, and if we're you know talking five years from now, and and Brandon Ingram's a superstar, I, I'm not gonna feel like oh my god, I never saw that coming. Crap, I was wrong. Right. It's just like you're at the first couple miles of a marathon. I don't know if you're gonna finish or not. And if you do, that's great. You you definitely have the capability of that in, in Ingram's case, but uh, there's no guarantees at this point. And yeah, I mean, we, I, I think you and I were first among those that were sometimes you know, criticizing the Lakers' last coach before Luke Walton for being very critical of his younger uh, of his younger players. But this is almost where I think you're seeing the evil of the opposite way of going about it. Where, I mean, how much does he feel now based off of Magic saying stuff like this? Not that he has to average 20 a game and not that, like, not that it's a bad thing if he thinks that he can average 20 a game. But how much of this is just him being like, oh, Magic said I, I'm, he's going to be disappointed if I don't average 20. I better just get these shots up. Well, there's two ways that it can go, right? It can be a, a pressure and something that, that kind of weighs on him. Or, like, when Ingram was bad last year, and I, I mentioned this recently, when Ingram was bad last year, he was taking, like, four shots in a game. Like, he just disappeared. You couldn't see him. And it doesn't really matter if Ingram hits that 20-point-per-game 
threshold, and he's not this year. Let's be real. I'm like, and that's okay. There's hater. nothing wrong with that. Ingram hater. But if he has the mentality of a 20-point-per-game type of guy, that's probably a good thing. That's probably what he needs to have to be an effective player in the league, even if the skills are a little bit behind the mindset at that point. Some would call it a Mamba mentality. Some would, Harrison. Next <laughs> next question. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so the, the other guy that I wanted to get to that I think you are significant. There are two guys I think that after maybe three even I guess that like after tonight that we're significantly more high on than maybe we were after summer league. And the first one that I'll get to is Kyle Kuzma, who might actually be the best small forward on the Lakers roster after tonight even including Brandon Ingram. And, you know, they said they needed a 20-point-per-game score. I think Magic might have been talking about the wrong small forward. That was it. He just mixed up Kuzma and Ingram. That might be uh, that might be the issue here. Man, that was true before this game tonight. <laughs> I, I didn't need to watch that game. Like, it, it, if, I, was, I was less optimistic that he was going to be good at small forward. I thought that... It, yeah. No, I, I get that. I get that. But Kuzma, Kuzma can ball. And, like... If Kuzma was taken 7th instead of 27th, there would be no, like, where do Kuzma's minutes come from? It's not so much like a small forward versus power forward distinction. Like, put the dude out on the court. He can play. He can pass. He can spot up and knock down threes. He can drive to the rim off of a closeout. Or he can pull up. He hit a couple of sweet floaters on that. He was 8 for 8 on his twos tonight. Right and like, dude can play. And if he was the seventh pick in the draft, like there'd be no question that we'd be talking about him as a starter at this point. Yeah, but, I mean, like, this is what happens when a guy goes late. Is that you know, like everybody assumes, like, okay, well, what's wrong with him that the other twenty six teams saw less so than like, what did the Lakers do right to grab this guy? You almost want to assume, you kind of have to assume that there's something that we're missing so far, something that NBA defenses haven't figured out because otherwise, how the hell did this guy drop to twenty seven? He's amazing. There was a lot in you know in in college even so Larry Kristowiak is the coach at Utah mm-hmm. and the way that he used Kuzma was more as a traditional power forward the way you would have thought of that in the nineties and if you think of Kuzma in and our exposure to his game at this point now think of him being used as a traditional big you're probably not going to maximize his talent no right? definitely not from what I've seen I didn't watch any of him in college and so my experience is exclusively based on summer league and tonight mm-hmm. and I don't even know like I can't even picture him playing a traditional power forward role and, and that's what he mostly did in in college so now he's to apparently the worst coach on the planet no no Kristoiak's not a bad coach he just college coaches tend to kind of cram guys into their system mm-hmm. because even in the best case scenario a guy's only going to stay for, for four years True. right and so it's more of a coach's uh, league and, and sport on the collegiate level. because it, And when you've got the guys that are one and done, Kuzma stayed for three years. Um, but you kind of cram guys into preconceived roles rather than tailing, tailoring your offense every single year for different groupings. Um, Thank so, you for coach explaining that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's as, why, as a coach, yeah. this is what coaches in college do. I'm not, I freaking coach high school ball, man. I'm just talking like from my exposure to, yeah. Anyway, you know I'm blushing. Yeah. yeah, you always have but, to. But yeah, but no. <laughs> see, like Kuzma, I, I just think like that lineup that they played him out there in a little bit in the second half of him and Randall and Nance. If one of those guys can, and it'll probably be Kuzma, can successfully defend the other team's wing player, which is a big ask for a rookie who's never played small forward in his life, but 
if he can do that, like that's actually a really fun lineup. With if you throw Lonzo and I don't know, I'm trying to like maybe KCP as the shooting guard, like that that that's potentially a pretty fun lineup. Or like maybe a lineup that you play if one of the other teams, one of their wings can't really shoot, and so you can kind of hide Kuzma on them a little bit. Like that that's a really interesting lineup to it, me. It, it is, it is, and you know. I think regardless of where you put Kuzma, the defensive end is going to be a little more of a learning curve. That being said, there's nobody in the Lakers' front court, at least amongst forwards, that really blows my mind as a defender right now, mm-hmm. either way. Um, so, yeah, that's something that he has the agility to be able to defend perimeter type of players. Uh, I think he gets into, he has more difficulty when he's, you know, has has to bang down low. He has a... He, when he closes out, he's got his hands low, and he picks up some like touch fouls or will foul three-point shooters as a result of, of some technique. But those are all things that can be fixed. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's somebody that that kid needs to get run, and, and it needs to be sooner rather than later. It's pretty blatantly obvious to me that he's, you know, he's ready for that sort, of, that sort of playing time, especially on a team like this. Yeah, and the, the the other guy that that kind of applies to at least after tonight is Zubats, who I like after summer league. I think there were some Laker fans that had literally tried to put him in a coffin and bury him out somewhere in the desert in Vegas, and he he luckily escaped because he uh, he was really really good tonight. He looked amazing, especially in the first half. The one thing I want to point out about Zubat specifically was his defense. This is the most impressed I've ever been with him on the defense. You were, I can confirm that you were going crazy when he got that block with his left hand. He, with the block with his left hand, he uh, had a hard hedge and he backed the guard up like almost to half court on his hedge, and then he recovered, you know, back into the lane. Uh, he's a guy with the weight that he's lost. That he's. Um, it's really beneficial to him. You could see he's got... Because he had some, decent foot speed for a guy with his heft last yes, year. And yes. so it, it does make sense that once he lost some weight that he'd be even quicker. Yeah, so that, that's where I was... I wasn't so much worried about... In summer league, he just, he was missing bunnies and he was getting stripped and it was, it was weird stuff. It was like it was yeah. almost like he had like one bad game, but over it for a week. Yeah, <laughs> right. It was like the same game. It was yeah. like Groundhog Day for a, yeah. Um, like those are something you either have good hands as a big or you don't, and that's not something that fluctuates all that much. And him having a bad you know week or two in Vegas did not worry me. He's he's got good touch around the rim and he demonstrated enough of that uh last year. But the defensive end was a real question mark. I, I don't think he's ever gonna win any, you know, make any defensive teams or anything, but he uh he he was solid in tonight's game, especially on pick and roll defense. Yeah, I mean if he can play tonight like or like or if he can play the rest of the season like close to what he did tonight then I think that he may be able to grab that backup spot after all. I know there was like a little bit of worry with some people that with the Lakers signing Bogut, he might be out of the rotation completely. And I, I can't see that how that would ever be the case if he plays like he did tonight. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be something, though, that uh, it depends on what Luke's, Luke wants. Because what yeah. Bogut does bring to the table is fairly different than what Zubat. So it's a matter of like, do you want... Mexican food or do you want Italian food? It doesn't mean the one you don't pick isn't good. It just means that's not what you're looking for in a particular night. Uh, but the Lakers are incentivized for Zubats to do well because they've got him well, that, on a cheap exactly. deal. That, like, that you want, that's the guy that you want to give run to. E- even if you have Italian food and Mexican food, right. if the Mexican food is significantly cheaper and it's going to last you the whole week, you're going to get that instead of like the almost expired Italian food. I, I was really uh, wondering where you were going to go with that. That was a nice save. Even Darius is... Rep- is impressed. 
You, you like that, Darius? Darius, you, you can you can make a cameo appearance if you'd like. If okay. oh, you're just gonna like He's break dance in the background to distract us. Dance in the background, try and distract us. Wave is lighter. <laughs> fire taste. There's a fire taste. Jeez. Anyway, I, I lost track of where we were. You were making uh, a splendid analogy. Yes, I was continuing your analogy yes. like, about the Mexican food and Italian food. In regards to Subots, I don't know. We should have went with Croatian food and Australian food on this. That was, but I don't even know really what either of those are. Yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, I guess that's the area there. I guess maybe one of those is significantly better than the other. I would not I know. Tell you. Yeah. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Zubat, no, I, I mean, you make a good point, but I just think that since Zubots is younger, if he keeps playing like this tonight, like they, they kind of have to play him over Bogut, even if you think Bogut, and just. Keep, if they keep Bogut, then it says break glass in case of a mer- in case of Brook Lopez injury type thing. Yeah, yeah, it could be. You know, I I just wonder. I mean, why does Bogut sign with the Lakers if it's not with some sort of? That's true. Like you can't you can't necessarily make an assurance as a coach, but like he had options to go to other places and as Magic was flexing on Spectrum about, he turned down playoff teams for more money uh, to or for less money to go to L.A. and yeah. Yeah, so I'd be surprised if he didn't sign here with some sort of assurance in that respect. To whatever degree Luke can give that. Yeah, so I guess stretch four for Zoo. Um, <laughs> the the last guy I wanted to hit on before we hit like one more kind of general topic was Tyler Ennis and his lack of t-shirt under the jersey. And then we found out he was still wearing an undershirt because his jersey got ripped. Like, like looked like he went he hulked out and then came back down to Tyler Ennis mode. But I, I mean, I guess figuratively he did kind of hulk out at least in terms of grabbing that backup point guard role. He was really good tonight, uh, but other than getting his jersey ripped in half and then being subbed out of the game for that and just not coming back. I guess preseason, like, they don't get you another jersey. You're just done for the night if somebody rips your jersey off. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he had he had eight dimes in 12 minutes, and he orchestrated things very well. The Lakers played their best basketball with Ennis running the show tonight. And um, there were point a couple times... Of the future. <laughs> Uh, you know, point guard is a position, kidding aside, where like it takes a, just a little bit longer. And I will bang that drum till the end of time when it comes to younger players at that position. You know, just takes a little bit longer for guys to thrive. The Lakers and, just did this with a young point guard, guys. Like we saw how much they improve from year one to year two. It, this is how this works. Even if Lonzo struggles, he's not a bust. We don't need to use him to dump Luol Deng's contract. Just saying for like, you know, the future. Hypothetically, if they had done a similar action in the past, as you just shake your head, I'm sorry, I, I triggered you. I've just got a thousand yard stare right now. <laughs> He's just like they, we could play the "Hello Darkness, My Old Friend" at Pete right now. The face he is making, I, I really should take like a picture when of this, we're talking about how we don't have any perimeter scorers and how it's unfair to Ingram to put him in a position where KCP and Lonzo are the guys next to him. <laughs> Do the friggin' math, man. Yeah, yeah. It's a, You know, they, they clearly, you're right, they should have kept Lou Williams. Um. <laughs> it's all right. If we get two max contracts, because that's looking promising right now, it'll yeah. all be good, right? Yeah, exactly. As soon, as soon as they sign LeBron and Michael Jordan through a time machine next summer, they're uh, they're going to be set, and the, we won't miss whoever it is that we're alluding to them possibly missing. Um, last thing, I, I just think like before we get too much tape on what they're actually running and what what they're actually going to do defensively, I did kind of want to pick your brain as as a coach on uh, with this type of talent. What like 
how how do you think how would you want to play if you were if, like if you it, fantasy camp you're put in charge of the Lakers how would you want them to play with the personnel that they have like what types of actions like people love this stuff like when you go go on these riffs and like what type of actions would you want to see them running like if you could draw up like a couple plays for the Lakers starters what like what is what's been running through your head I'd actually want to start with personnel uh one of the things I was thinking about through the night is I don't really love the Nance Randall combination at the four and five and i've really wanted to uh yeah i think all of I, us I, wanted to and all of us wanted them to experiment with it but i think it's and i was banging that drum as hard as anyone sure. and i think it's almost time to admit that maybe this doesn't work I, I think the problem with it is that you get some of the detriments of going small without the floor spacing benefits because uh-huh. neither of them are, are shooters like like Nance literally refuses to shoot. Right, and and Randall took the two threes that he took tonight. I like, I screamed under my breath. Like those were hideous. He's yeah. twisting to his screaming under your breath Lester sounds like an oxymoron. Actually, is accurate. From yeah, sitting in the room. Yeah, yeah, and and so you don't get you know kind of the hey we're gonna go small and fast. You don't really get many of the benefits from that. Um, Lakers gave up a lot of offensive rebounds, especially in the first half. Um, you know Minnesota is getting shots at the rim. So, yeah, I'm not sure I love that, that combination, even though I really want to. Um, I think, once again, as they were last year, they're overloaded in the front court. They could really use uh, you know, a, a trade that moves a guy, especially with Kuzma emerging, a trade that moves a bigger player for uh, a wing. I think some of, at the age that Nansen and Randall are at, and I actually thought Randall played decently well tonight. I, I, yeah. I, um, I, he was the guy I was most curious about going into the game. What his role would be if they weren't going to have him do the like the take and goes in right. transition? Then like, really, why is he out there to me? Right, like because that's to me that's his best attribute. Right, but yeah. So they they um picked in you know yeah. So he, I I thought he played well uh and and he had some some plays that kind of frustrated me a little bit, but um. Yeah, I think they need to thin out the front court and bolster kind of their their twos and threes, mm-hmm. especially. Um, I'd also love to see. I'd like to see Ennis and Lonzo play together. Um, I and I think we saw a little bit of in the half court of some of the difficulties that Lonzo has in in this game uh, in half court situations. And I'd love to move him off of the ball, which is not to say I don't want him to not have the ball, but the I want. There to be plays where he no, doesn't start like out with the it. Lakers' last talented young point guard. You just want to see what they look like as the off guard before you potentially maybe move them. <sighs> Freaking Harrison! <laughs> Try not to cuss at you on your show. Um, I can bleep it out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so no, I just like I want Lonzo to end up with the ball rather than start out with the ball. Right. Yeah. End up with the ball in a, an attacking position where he can go after. So I'd, I'd like to see Ennis and. and and Lonzo play together. I'd like to see KCP on the ball a little bit more. He's got some pick and roll abilities that uh, I saw from watching him on tape in Detroit yesterday. I didn't see him do anything with the ball in his hands. Like it, there, I didn't don't remember a single pick and roll. For I him. barely remember him being out there to be yeah, honest. Right, and, and I don't think that's the way to use him is yeah. strictly as a spot up guy. Um, and and then in terms of you know the type of actions that they run, I think that's less problematic right now. I think they've. I think so. Luke's playbook, I don't have an issue with for the most part. Yeah. Uh, other people do. I, I, I'm, but I think that the smaller components of it, the screen setting, the cutting, I don't 
know if there's the attention to detail. Like, you can run a play well or you can run a play poorly. And, there, for example, there was one play, one of Zubats's dunks was off of a cross screen that uh, Clarkson set for Zubats. Mm-hmm. And Clarkson cracked the defender on that. I think it was uh, Gorgi Jang. And he cracked him with the screen, and Zubats got a wide-open dunk for that. That same play, if you don't make good contact on the screen, like, it's the same play, but all of a sudden it's a contested 12-footer. Yeah. And it's a terrible shot, right? So, like, the attention to detail, that's what I want to see more out of, of out of the coaching staff, of screen setting, cutting, uh, making reads, things like that. And run the same plays, but you'll run them a lot more effectively. Yeah. Yeah, and then as far as, like, I guess defensively, like, I know that there were, like, some kind of help errors tonight or some things that you maybe took issue that you didn't think were the best. I mean, like, like what what do you... The Lakers are a horrible defensive team. They probably aren't going to be great this year, but if you could make one change, what would it be? Uh, the and, we- and obviously the caveat being that I, I'm not asking you to say why you're a better coach than Luke Walton. <laughs> no, no, I'm, no, no, I'm, no, no, no. That's not this at all. This is just me asking you just as like a basketball analyst, fan, whatever, like somebody who's coached before, like what what's one change that you would like to see made? I don't like the way uh, their weak side rotations work. I think they end up surrendering corner and wing threes that are wide open as a result. I think they overhelp. So the um, and what ends up happening is just two passes to the weak side, and suddenly you've got somebody wide open. So, um, for example, like the way they defend pick and pops is, you know, two guys will trap. Luke, you know, told me the other day he wants guys fighting over screens pretty much, regardless, and you know they're going to trap the ball handler. Then the guy up top would be the big, so say Towns, right, who yeah. can shoot those threes. You're going to have the weak side wing going over to Towns to defend him. Which is great, but you got a numbers problem. Once Towns makes one more pass, you're asking the big to come over from the paint to defend the guy on the opposite wing, right? Yeah. Even if he gets there in time, you got one more guy that's standing there in the corner all by himself. And you're, you can't make the rotation. You're just giving up like the the shot that every single modern NBA offense wants to generate. Absolutely. And it's, to put it in very simple terms. I think Luke asks his guys to cover too much ground. It's not an effort thing. It's it's something where it's not reasonable to ask them to close out that amount of distance and not give up an open shot. That was actually a much longer-winded answer than I was expecting. I thought you were just going to say for them to man up. But, um, yeah, I guess that that's a different change that they could make. Uh, so I th- that pretty much does it for I think this for this episode of Locked On Lakers. Uh, thank you everybody who listened in, and we will catch you. Anthony will be back tomorrow, and I'm sorry for that.